So last week, I shared with you a message kind of starting the conversation about what is spiritual warfare. And so if you were not here last week and you did not have not listened to that message, please do yourself a favor and go listen to that. It'll make today make a little bit more sense as well. Um, But we're going to be finishing Ephesians talking about um, a little bit more in depth about spiritual warfare and what it is and how it pertains to us. So today we're going to be going line by line through the book of the chapter 6, verse 10, all the way through. And I'm going to share some thoughts with you as we do that. We've got the um, words on the screen for you, the slides. And we're going to be looking at the amplified version today because I like the way it articulates the um, armor of God and whatnot. One more disclaimer as we get started is if you're interested in, there's a lot of amazing study out there about the individual pieces of the armor of God. And Priscilla Shire, if you're familiar with her, has put out an unbelievable book about this. I think it's called The Armor of God or Full, Fully Armed or something like that. But if you're interested in that, look at Priscilla Shire and you'll find that book. She also has kids Bible studies um, for that as well, which are awesome. Our kids ministry did that. I think it was last year and it was an incredible study. So I'm not going to go too in detail of those kinds of things. So if you're like, man, I really love that. I want to study that more. That's a great resource for you. Okay. I want to pray as we get started today. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in the room already. And Father, we just ask for our ears to be open and our hearts to be able to Um, see what you're doing and what you have for us in this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to pick up Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and we're going to start in that one. And so I'm going to read it to you. You guys can read on the screen. And before I start reading, remember, Ephesians, the book, is one continuous message, right? It's one continuous sort of stream of thought that the Holy Spirit was giving to Paul. Paul didn't write it to be broken up and taken apart. He wrote it to be one continuous theme. So the theme is, now that you understand your identity, what does that look like playing out in your life? So the first two or three chapters are all about who you are in Christ, how you have now been united with him, how you are positioned in him in the heavenly places. Um, Ephesians 1 says, Locked up with all the spiritual blessings, everything you could need, it is now available to you in Jesus. We've also talked about um, how that affects our life, how to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, and then what that actually looks like. And so this is the last part of that theme, and this, these words in conclusion are important, because when somebody is giving you a message or they're sharing something, when they say in conclusion, that's not code to check out, that's code to listen, because this last thing is also important. And so that's what Paul is saying here. He goes, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him, and be empowered through your union with him, and in the power of his boundless might. So here we have in verse 10 this theme, be strong in the Lord. But I think it's interesting to think about what does it look like to truly be strong in the Lord. And what about when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10, it's in our weakness that God is strong. There's almost like something of a dichotomy there. But I think what Paul is wanting us to understand is whether you feel strong or whether you feel weak, be strong. Like strength is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's actually a state of mind. It's actually a a way to be, to position yourself or a posture, if you like that phrase, better. And so the Lord is telling us through this, after we've learned all these things about your identity, now make your posture one of strength. Make your posture one where you know you can accomplish the things that God has put before you. I love that. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. 
these are some of the, when the Amplified puts things in parentheses, what it's doing is telling you some of the connotations that are there hidden in the other language that English doesn't have a direct translation to. So I love this because it's highlighting again our union with Jesus. This is so important, the fact that we are connected to him, that we are now in him and that he is in us. So we can be strong in the Lord. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. All right, let's talk about metaphors for a second. Anybody know what a metaphor is? We all should know what a metaphor is. Did you know that Jesus made a comment about metaphors in John chapter 3, verse 12? He makes this statement. He loves to teach in parables, right? He gives all kinds of themes. He'll be walking down. We were in Israel a few years ago, and, um, you know, you drive down the road, and there's just mustard seed bushes everywhere. And that's where Jesus is walking down with the disciples, and he goes, hey, guys, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, because they're looking at it right there. It's just something that came natural to him. When he's talking about unleavened and yeast and all of those parables, imagine him walking down a market and seeing people selling yeast. And he's like, oh, this is what that's like. And he makes this statement in John 3 where he says, if you don't understand the earthly things I'm trying to help you see, you're never going to understand the heavenly things right? There's this invitation for us to recognize that what we see as a natural parallel is, is a metaphor for how the world works in the heavens, and Paul is doing that with the armor of God. The Roman soldier at this time was everywhere. Everybody knew what they looked like. Think the postage man, the postal man, right? We can immediately imagine what the postman looks like. The blue, you can see the color of his blue shirt in your mind right now, whether they're wearing a hat or not, the stripe of their belt, the socks. You can picture it right away because we're all very familiar with what a postman looks like, postwoman, whoever comes to your house. At my house, they wear vests now, like, you know, because it's cold and they're always running up to the doors and stuff, so they don't look the same anymore. But you know what I'm talking about when I say postman. When Paul is saying, listen, let's talk about the armor of God, he's not saying these are necessarily specifically literal pieces that you are wearing in the spirit, as much as he is saying you are covered completely by God. And here's a way to think about it. Think about the Roman soldier. You guys all know that. That's what he's saying to the people. So he says, put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against the enemy. See, here's the thing. We talked about this last week, our two declarations. Number one, Jesus is bigger. And number two, you have nothing to fear. There is no battle that you will fight that you cannot win. It's just the way that it is. You have now been positioned in Christ. He has been positioned at the right hand of the Father. You are now over every struggle that could ever come against you. So it's a mindset shift. It's an understanding, and it's an understanding that we need to put on the full armor of God. I wonder why Paul says the full armor of God. In fact, he says it again in another verse here in a second. He says it twice. Put on the full armor of God. Doesn't it make you wonder how many people he knew that had only put on like one or two pieces of armor? right? Why is he saying, listen, it's not enough to just wear the helmet of your salvation. He's saying you have to have the full understanding of what you've been positioned in if you want to be successful. There's a direct correlation here. I don't know about you, but I just am really tired of watching believers not be successful in their faith, you know, because it's like, well, if this is the word of God, if this is who God is, then it should work. It does work. So the problem is not on God's end. The problem is on our end. So although we're not going to hammer this to the ground, I want to just pose a question to you to ask before the Lord this week, which is this. Lord, are there any pieces of armor that I'm like willfully choosing not to use? Just a question for you to ask. Is there anything that I'm deliberately saying, I don't need that? Okay. We'll dive into it a little bit. And 
Maybe the Lord will show you something. Maybe he won't, but just a thought for you. All right, let's look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Well, that's a lot of enemies. Anybody else feel that way? Wait a second, Lord. I thought I had one enemy. This is a lot of different enemies. We talked about this at length last week, so catch that podcast if you um, want to hear more about who these enemies actually are. But here's the thing. Everybody is serving a master, okay? Everybody is serving a master. Hopefully, you're serving Jesus as your master. But behind every action is a driving force, There is a force of something. Imagine like a puppet on a string. Now, we're not puppets on a string being manipulated by the Lord. That's not true. But there's always a driving force behind everything that's going on. I want to get into that in a second more in detail, but I want to read uh, verse 13 first. It says, therefore, this again, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully, again, we see that theme again, so that you'll be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger, and having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. Okay? Everybody say, my ground. You have been given ground by the Lord. You have been given spiritual ground in the victories that you've already um, had in your life with faith, with, you know, maybe it's that you're a more loving person, all those things, your testimony, that is spiritual ground that you have gained. You have also been given physical ground on the earth. Now we see this, what we talked about last week, how God actually gave the different nations physical ground in the same way he has given you a measure of physical ground. So when Paul is saying, stand your ground, this is a huge admonition. What he's saying here is that Two parts. Number one, the ground that you've been given, the things that you've gained in your life with Jesus, do not let those go. Do not get pushed back from those things. And the second part is, and also you can then gain ground, right? There's an implication here that as we are moving forward in Jesus, we are actually advancing the kingdom. Let me put it this way. Here on the earth, this is the earth, this invisible earth that you can see. The earth is designed to be a mere reflection of the heavens, right? Where do we see this? In the Garden of Eden, God gives Adam and Eve a command to make the earth like what they experience in heaven, what God is experiencing in heaven. We see this. Jesus gives this command in, when, in the Lord's Prayer when he says to pray on earth as it is in heaven. The earth is designed to be a mere reflection of the heavens. But we know, especially from last week, we know that the earth is not always that. And it becomes our job to then go make the earth into the reflection of what God is doing. This is actually why we feel like the Lord has given us a church motto, bringing heaven's ways to earth. This is where it comes from, that we feel like we have a calling as a body to say, okay, Lord, what exists in heaven, and how do I bring that down here? And what doesn't exist in heaven, and how do I get rid of that here? For example, greed does not exist in heaven. Money doesn't even exist in heaven, but we do need that in our current societal structure. But greed doesn't exist in heaven. So then we go, okay, so if we're going to bring heaven's ways to earth, if we're going to do on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to get rid of greed. Are you guys tracking with how this works? So what Paul is saying here, what God is telling us is to stand your ground, that there is a way for you to be successful. You have been given protection, and um, we're going to get into in a second, offensive weapons as well, so that you can not only stand your ground, but take ground for the Lord. 
So I want to go on a little bit of a purposeful tangent for a minute. I want us to look at Matthew 18, 18. And this is Jesus giving us an instruction that's really fascinating. And he says this. He said, this is the ESV. He says, can you put up Matthew 18, 18? Okay, no worries. I'll read it to you, and it'll come up for a second. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Other translations say, whatever is bound in the heavens is then loosed on earth. See, we again have this echoed mirror thing happening with what's happening on the earth should be what's happening in heaven and vice versa. So we have been given a charge by Jesus to bind things up so that the earth reflects the heavens. Why do we bind it up? Why can't we just kill all the other forces? Well, we talked at length about this last week. All these other principalities, all these forces, these lesser gods, they will have a day of judgment, but that day is not today. And we as humans have not been given the job to kill them. But what we have been given is a place of authority over them where we can bind up the effects that they have to do. So what can we bind up? We want to talk about two categories of things we can bind up today. The first one is people. The second one is property. Okay, people is going to get weird. Okay, so just hang in there with me. But I want to tell you a story. Again, let's go back to, um, what is it, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay? When you are in a struggle with someone, there is a driving force within them that you are struggling with. Okay? Now, it might be you. I just have to say that right? It might be us. Sometimes the force that's causing the struggle is us. So the first thing we got to do when we're approaching this, and we'll get into this in a minute again, but is, Jesus, what are you doing in me? How do I get myself out of the way? That's the first step, okay? But if it's not you, if you figured that out, and you're dealing with a situation with a person, then then you have to ask the Lord, what do I need to bind in this situation? So let me tell you in a very practical level. So Grant and I, we have a family member, and um, it's not in my family because the story won't make sense if I don't tell you that. But um, this person was one way until they met me, and I kid you not, they were a completely other person since they met me. I don't feel like I'm a rude person. I'm not a weird person, at least not to me anyway. I like myself. I hope you guys like me, right? But there was this thing that was like, if I was there, something would happen in this person. And it was mind-blowing. And even Grant was going, this is so strange. They've never been like this before. So seven years goes by. This is a really long time. And this person had done a lot of rude things to me, crossed every boundary I had ever tried to lay, had just zero respect for my own you know, self-respect and personal space and whatnot. And so I was having an issue with them, safe to say. So, uh, so one day, Grant and I were sitting at the dining room table. It was about seven years into our marriage. And he said this person's name, and it was like, all went down my spine. And some of you, I'm only telling you this story because I know some of you will understand what I'm saying. So if you don't understand, it's fine. You can check out. I'll give you a wave when it's time to check back in. But you, you, you will, especially if you're prophetic or discerning, you will have things like this happen. So I said, oh, you know, uh, and I said, man, Lord, I repent again. I'm Peter, 70 times 7. I've forgiven this person a thousand times. It's not changing the way that I feel. It's changing my perspective of them, but it's not making this uh, go away. And so Grant looked at me, and he said, there is no one that gets under your skin like that. I said, I know. He's, he was making it my issue, right? He's like, what's wrong with you? You know, get over it. And I'm like, I can't. I have done everything. Everything you can think of, I've done it. It's not changing. So I have a, a friend who has now gone to be with the Lord, but was a deliverance counselor. I'd sat with him and counseling other people many times. He'd done some ministry for me as well. And so I called him up and I said, hey, 
I got to talk to you because as Grant and I talked, I realized there's something going on here. I don't know what it is, but I need to get this figured out. And I can't make this person go away, right? That, that would be ideal, but it wasn't happening. And so, um, so I sat down with my friend and I said, listen, let me tell you the story. I get about two minutes into the details of the story. And he goes, you can stop now. He said, this is what the Lord is already showing me. And he said, this person has a spirit of Jezebel and their assignment is you. And this light bulb went off in me. And all, you know, when you have that moment where it's like all your life pops through your face, you know, all these different moments. And I go, oh my gosh. And he goes on to say, we need to deal with this because clearly this, and, and what happened, and this is how I know it was true, is that I'm telling you, when I am there, this spirit comes up. When I am not there, this spirit is not there. So everybody makes it my fault right? They're all like, what's your problem, Rachel? And I'm like, what am I doing? I have checked everything. I'm not doing anything different. It's just whatever God is in me really offends this spirit that's sitting on them. So now I tell you this because we cannot cast out demons on other people if they don't want them gone. It's not even worth trying. Okay, let's just be really honest for a second. But what I can do is say, I can't remove you, but I sure as heck can say you don't get access to me anymore. That's what binding is. It's basically saying, listen, I have a ground. I have a space the Lord has given me. You don't get to affect my space unless I let you affect my space. That's what self-control looks like. We've not been given any control in the kingdom of God that's legal except our own self-control. I don't get to control somebody else. I only get to control myself. You guys tracking with me? So this is what's so interesting about this story. So my friend says to me, he said, Rachel, first we need to pray and just make sure there's not any of this happening in you. And I said, that's great. Open my heart up. You know, let's get whatever is gone. Prayed over me. Made sure there was nothing, no open doors there. And then we said, and then he said, now I want to teach you how to bind this up over this person. And he goes, mark my words, Rachel. He's like a grandpa to me. He goes, you don't do this and you're going to be sorry. Now, normally I would say, don't, when people say that to you and you don't have a relationship with them, that's kind of weird. But when they're like family to you, you listen, right? And I said, okay, okay, we'll see. So we bound up. He said, listen, if you get an email, before you read that email, you bind up the spirit. If you get a phone call, a text, any interaction at all, you bind this up. And I'm going, just to be honest, that is overkill, like for sure. But here's the deal. I can't keep it bound because this person gets permission to what they're going to do with this. You guys tracking with me? This is weird. I know. Send me your questions on email later. So I said, um, I said, okay, so the next time we had an interaction with this person, Grant and I got together and we, this is what we prayed. It was so simple. And the Lord had given us, we'd asked God, what are the different like spiritual forces that we're looking at right here in Ephesians? What are the different forces at play here? How can, what do we need to say? So we got together, we prayed, and we said, in the name of Jesus, we bind up this spirit, this spirit, this spirit, and we say, you cannot project on us or affect us at all. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. So we go to have this interaction, and it was like a completely different person showed up. And when they left, Grant and I were like, are you kidding me? It took one sentence of a prayer and that happened? Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking about all the seven years of agony I've just put myself through because of that. So we just started every single interaction, binding it up, binding it up. And it was unbelievable. It allowed us to restore part of that relationship by getting rid of the spiritual force that was coming in through it. Now there are, you have to take this before the Lord for yourself because every situation is different. But for us, this is the key that we needed to get the breakthrough in that. And this is a very long story I'm only giving you one tiny piece of. 
But fast forward a couple years, it's Christmas Day, and this person is um, coming around, and I was just like over it. I don't know if, you know, this is my deliberate choice to not put on some of the armor. I was just like, I have been binding this up for so long. I'm just over it. And I heard the doorbell ring, and I had that like feeling to myself. And Grant comes running in, you know, to where I was. I was making gift tags for presents, and he said, hey, we need to pray. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, because I was just being a brat. So we go in the back room, and, and he holds my hand, and he's praying. And I was literally thinking to myself, oh, I'm not praying. Now, I didn't think that was very powerful. I thought he would have the ability to, like, you know, pray this up. But this is what happened. I nearly lost my mind, okay? So we go into the car to go to lunch that day, and it was snowing outside. We were about two miles from the house. And I was like, listen, pull over. I will walk home. I will sit on the front porch in the snow until you guys get back. I cannot be in this situation because why? Because I didn't bind it up, and this spirit was wreaking havoc on my sanity, and it was crazy. And I sound crazy now that I hear myself saying this out loud. But I know some of you need to hear this story, so just give me a grain of salt. So anyway, so we got to the car, and Grant lovingly and graciously, and if you know him well, you know this is not really his normal. He looked at me in the eyes, and he goes, you do not get out of this car until you bind that up. And then he shut the door. He's like, hey, guys, and went on (laughs) into the restaurant. (laughs) And I'm sitting in the car, and I'm like, he's right. I know he's right. And I just repent, Lord. I had to like repent. I had to repent for so many things. I'm sorry for being a brat. I'm sorry for, you know, all these different things. And and then I bound it up. And then we had a great holiday the rest of the time. Why? Because we have been given authority to bind on earth what then becomes bound in the heavens, not just heaven, but the heavens. Are you guys tracking with me? So there are some of you that need to know the issue you're having with family members or people in your life is an issue that there is a force coming at you and the force needs people to use to, to skew you. That's how it works. They need people. Otherwise, if you, know, if you like had a bad dream, it's not going to have the same power as somebody that you love coming and saying the same thing. Are you guys tracking with me? So that's why we bind. So when we bind people, we're not binding the people. You know, the people are just sort of pawns in this game. What we're doing is not a game. You guys know what I mean. But what we're doing is we're saying, I'm going to let the earth reflect what's, on, what's in heaven. When God looks at people, even really, really difficult people, he actually sees his, his heart in them. He sees the potential that's in them. Of course, he sees their bad behavior, but he just, that's how he's wired is to see good in people right? And so we need to be wired like that too. We can do that through binding things up. So two keys for you if this is something that you're like, wow, I need to do this. Step number one, ask the Lord, Jesus, what are you doing in me through this situation? Because what you're experiencing has something to do with you. The Lord wants to grow you through this. Sometimes the things he wants to grow you in is to give you more confidence in your authority. Sometimes it's practicing things he's been giving you revelation. There's all kinds of things the Lord wants to do. So step one is saying, God, what are you doing in me through this interaction? I really don't like this person. In fact, if I was being honest and pretending like this is okay for a second, I hate this person. I hate what's happening with this, right? And we own it, and we say, so what are you doing in me? And the Lord begins to respond to that, and then you hold that. That's step number one. And then step number two is just simply to say, Lord, what do I need to bind? And just listen and just write down what you hear. You don't have to understand all the different things of how the demonic world works. You really don't. You just have to lean on the Holy Spirit. He will show you. If you don't hear him say anything, then this is a great simple thing is to bind up any unclean anything. That's a pretty big catch-all, right? If I'm sitting there, there are times where I'm like, something is off here. I don't know what it is, but I can't quite put my finger on it. So I'm just binding up everything that's not the Lord, (laughs) 
right? We don't always have to be really specific. So that's for people. Now, property. Let's talk about property for a second. You've been given ground. You've been given spiritual ground. You've been given literal ground. So in your house, you either own it or you rent it. The way that you, if you own it, there's one type of prayer. If you rent it, there's a different type of prayer. But what happens in your house is important to the Lord. Your house is a place where the enemy can come in or be sent out. So we've moved a lot in our life. We like change. So uh, we moved up to Oklahoma City, as you guys know, in 2013. And we bought a house. It was a new house. And um, it was, you know, had just been built that previous year. And I don't really struggle with what I'm about to tell you with. In fact, I haven't, it never really crosses my mind ever. But basically the day that we moved into this house, I started having this pervasive fear that I was going to be sexually assaulted. It was like out of nowhere. I remember sitting in the, when the cable guy came to like install the cable and I grabbed, this is crazy. I grabbed a pencil that was really sharp and I carried it with me just in case. That's how real the fear was to me. This is not something I struggle with or even think about. In fact, I had been really set free from that type of thinking years and years before. But I'm going, what in the world? What is that? So then, you know, every, there was all these different scenarios and this feeling would come back up. So after about four or five days, Grant and I started talking about it, and I said, something is up here. I don't know what it is, but there's something that all of a sudden has come in, and we asked the Lord, God, what is this? And the Lord showed us a picture of a sexual assault that had happened on that land. Here we go again. We'll just make this the day where I just seem really weird, so, you know, it's fine. Uh, it's on you, Jesus. But anyway, so, uh, so I said, well, that's really interesting. Do I ever have proof that that happened? No, I don't. But here's what we did. We said, Lord, this ground now belongs to us, and we belong to you. So therefore, this ground now belongs to you. So we did a very simple, this took two minutes, guys. What I'm talking to you about is not this like long intercession, like weeping and wailing type intercession. This is very simple partnering with God. So we said we, we plead the blood of Jesus over this ground. We, commit, we command everything that happened here to be gone, to be resolved, you know, whatever. We just let the Holy Spirit put the words in our mouth and we prayed them. And then we asked the Lord to bring additional angels onto our property to stand guard, or stand guard around it. I never had that feeling again after that prayer. It's just that simple. But sometimes we have to be, what do the young people say? Be woke, right? Sometimes, sometimes we have to just be aware of what's going on. We have to be aware that there's spiritual forces behind the different things. So in your house, if you have discovered that you're one way in your house and another way when you're not at home, pay attention to that. Ask the Lord, is there something I need to pray here? So if you own your land, then you own it in the spirit as well. God honors the laws of the land. That's clear in Jesus' day. And so you can, you can pray what I just prayed and cleanse it, and then it's done. It's stamped. It's done. If you rent your property, then your property belongs to whoever is being rented. But you have command over the space in the spirit as well as who you are. Does that make sense? So you can pray these same things. You just might have to pray them more often. So for example, in this building, we rent this space. We don't own this building. So on a regular basis, this is something we're paying attention to. Lord, what do we need to pray over this property? We can't necessarily make it leave because that's kind of, you know, we could, we have to, you have to ask the Lord about that. But we can't necessarily make those things leave, but we sure as heck can say, while we are here, you don't get access. Are you guys tracking with me? This is what Paul is saying when he says, stand your ground. So let's get back into Ephesians, verse 13. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground. Now we know what that looks like. 
in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. These are what the implications of that word stand your stand mean. I love that. Fully prepared, immovable, victorious. This is the picture of what your life can and should look like. Verse 14. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, which is personal integrity and moral courage, around your waist, and having put the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart, and having strapped the, on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So this picture Paul gives us of the armor is a head-to-toe defensive and offensive picture. From the top of your head with your helmet down to the bottom of your feet with your shoes, with your shield, that's a defensive posture, and with a sword, which is an offensive posture. In other words, there is nothing coming against you you cannot win. There is no battle you will be in that you cannot have victory. That is like just too much. Are you guys tracking with me? This is so important because sometimes we get it into our minds when we don't see God doing the thing we want him to do, or it feels like it's just too much. Sometimes we forget, well, no, wait a second. We're actually fully equipped in every single thing that could come against us. So putting on the full armor of God is, an, as is looking at every part of your body, your brain, your vital organs, your, everything in your waist, your legs, your feet, your arms, all of it. It's all covered by the Lord. Putting on the full armor of God, in my opinion, is stepping in and saying complete protection. It's stepping into that posture of complete protection. And then he ends with this, verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and in every season, in the Spirit. Okay, thanks, Paul. That's a great command. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. So petition and prayer are two different things. Petition, you should think, when Jesus gives the parable of the persistent widow. She is just nagging that judge, man. Hey, remember me? Hey, remember me? Hey, remember me? And he finally gives it to her. Remember what the Bible says? Because he's annoyed by her. And God gives us that as a picture of how he answers prayer? What? Like, wait, Lord, don't you love me? Don't you, you know, are you really annoyed by me, God? But the Lord actually is like, hey, you know, if all else fails, just keep asking and asking and asking. And hey, if I get annoyed enough, I'll just give it to you. <laughs> That's essentially what's in the Bible. Am I wrong? right? So now we, that's petition. Petition is when we need God to do something or when we're asking him to do something and we are just, we're knocking and knocking. The Bible tells us, Jesus says, knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. There's like a repetition to petition. Prayer on the, on the other side of that is what I like to look at it as is partnering with God. It's like grabbing what he wants to do and being the vessel through which he can do it. That's what's happening when we're binding up things. We're looking and we're saying, what's happening here? How do I partner with you and speak into existence what you are doing? Does that make sense? So we're, we're called by Paul to do both of them, to pray and petition and to intercede, which is a whole different category. So all the types of prayer, keep doing them, stay alert with perseverance. Why are we staying alert? Because guys, we're, you know, I used to say this to my friends all the time, mama didn't raise no fool. We're not going to be surprised when the enemy comes, right? Or are we? No, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He doesn't like you. 
when you are on fire for God, it's offensive to him. It should be encouraging to you when, like, the little hornets get stored, stirred up. I mean, I know it sounds weird, especially when you feel fear, but like yesterday when I was um, talking to the Lord about a couple parts of this message, uh, it was very clear to me there was some spiritual warfare happening, and I thought to myself, I'm actually feeling the emotion of fear, but I'm also thinking I'm so annoyed by this. And I, so I sat there and I said, Lord, I'm going to wait until you come and you get rid of this because I'm not going to buy into the fear, right? Some of you guys need to hear that. When you feel that emotion of fear, that's not evidence that you should be afraid. It's just a biological response to the attack the enemy's bringing. You have been given authority to stand your ground. What does that look like to be immovable? It's like a posture that's like, I am not letting go right? It's a wrestling match. It's like aggressive. It's, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And it's basically, if you've ever seen a mama bear with a cub, that's what you're called to be in the spirit. Listen, this is my world. You're not going to do that. And it might be a bigger battle, especially if it's like disease or sickness or whatnot. Sometimes those are bigger battles and we just keep fighting them and we keep petitioning and we keep showing up because we are standing our ground. We're not going to shrink back and go, I'm feeling this way. So therefore that must be true. All right. And then he says, verse 19, and pray for me. I love this. Catch this. Paul is saying, pray for me. Paul, who we call one of the absolute most mightiest men of God ever to walk the face of the earth, needed prayer. This is important for us because you need prayer too. You need people in your life, and especially when you're not feeling like the strength, right? When you're not feeling the strength, maybe you're feeling the weakness, and God wants to come in and perfect his strength in that place. You need somebody that you can send a text to and say, man, I need prayer right now. You need somebody in your life that you don't even have to go into the details with, right? Or you can. It's helpful too. But So even if Paul, if Paul needed prayer, then you need prayer. So here's what he says. And pray for me that the words may be given to me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation. We talked about that last week, which is that all the earth is the Lord's. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains and pray that in proclaiming that I may speak boldly and courageously as I should. Verse 21, now so that you may know how I am doing and what I'm doing, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, and so that you may know how we are, and that he may comfort and encourage and strengthen your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters, and love joined with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying and incorruptible love. So that's the book of Ephesians. So what does that have to do with us, and what do we take away from this today? <clears throat> Here's what I feel like. What you have been called to is significant. Even if it doesn't outwardly look like significance to the world of social media. Because that's sometimes how we monitor ourselves, right? It's dumb, but we do. We like want someone else to validate what we're doing, but the real substance of life is what happens in relationships outside of what can be quantified, so don't buy into that. But what you've been called to, it is really significant. How you are called, how you allow yourself to thrive, how you allow yourself to stand and to be strong, how you say, listen, I'm going to take ground. I'm going to take the ground that's in front of me, whether it's in my family, whether it's in my own heart, regardless of what it is, this is the admonition to us. And so what I felt like the Lord wanted us to do as we land this long series is to take a second to reflect and to ask the Lord, what's, what is something you've done in my heart through the book of Ephesians? 
Because I know for sure, especially when you're raising little kids, sometimes you go from one frustration and something you're working on to the next frustration, and you miss the point that they actually stopped doing the original frustration. You guys tracking with me? It's like, okay, and now I'm trying to get you to quit whining, and then now I'm trying to get you to pick up your trash, but I forgot to stop and recognize you quit whining. You know? And it's like that in our lives, too. We go on this journey, and sometimes we have to push pause and say, okay, let me quantify for just a second. Lord, what have you been doing in me over the last few months? Lord, what is it about the book of Ephesians especially that I've grabbed onto that's called me to elevate my thinking, to live in a grander way, all of that? So that's a question that I want you guys to be asking before the Lord. And also, because as we're moving forward, Identity and who we are in Jesus is so important. And the fact of the matter is that this is the lesson that you learn until you've learned it. All of your life will come back to this. Every struggle that you have will come back to you understanding who you are in Christ. Until you get that, then you can move on. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of us, we go through the same things over and over again, and we're like, why? Why do we have to do this again? The Lord's like, because you're not believing what the Bible tells you. You're not believing who it says you are. So I'm not saying that as like a judgment over anybody. I'm saying that as a clarifier that sometimes what we need to do is say, okay, Lord, I may have been in the same place for six years now, for 10 years now, however long, but let me get this into my heart because everything else is like step two. And so I can't really hold step two unless I've really got step one in my heart. So my suggestion and admonition to you would be take some time over this week to read over the whole book of Ephesians. You know, it doesn't take you four months. That's only for how we've done it. Um, it'll take you about five minutes. Just read through it and say, okay, Lord, what have you been doing in me? What have you been putting in me? And make it like a, make it a moment, right? Grab it and go, wow, this is incredible. I was thinking this before, and now I'm recognizing this. Teach me how to live that out. And one other thing I want to mention before we pray and close is... Um, when we talk about spiritual warfare, sometimes it's hard to talk about all the different things about spiritual warfare. Is like we could spend a whole year just on that alone. Um, and so what I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart this week for you guys is if any of you feel like you need a breakthrough, one of the ways that we know we need something like deliverance or inner healing is when we can't get a hold of it on our own with Jesus. It's like it's like there's just something about it that we either can't get resolved or it just keeps coming back up. That can be an indicator that there's something deeper the Lord wants to heal. I will go ahead and say, tell you, you know, I've been through, I can't even count how many rounds of deliverance, and there will be more to come. It's just part of how we live through life. What we agree with has power, and we sometimes accidentally or unknowingly come into agreement with thought processes that are not in God's heart that open the door for things that are not healthy. So I want you to know if, if you've been listening to the last two weeks and something is stirring in you that's like, wow, I wish I could, then take that to the Lord and say, is this something I need to get prayer for? Is there something I need to get, like, you know, removed? And there's no shame in that. I can tell you my own stories. I've got weird ones, and I've got really gentle ones, and everything in between. But I can tell you with 100% certainty that it is one of the most helpful things you can do if the Lord is putting that on your heart. So I don't want to miss this moment as we move on from spiritual warfare next week without saying, if you feel like you've got a need in you, we can help you with that need. So you can come up to me afterwards. We can connect you with people. You can send in an email. You can do whatever you need to do, but reach out for some help because there is help for you, period. And it's not going to be like a questions asked kind of thing or anything like that. It's just God knows. So, all right, let's pray. Yeah, let's pray. Put your hand on your heart if you are comfortable with that. Lord, I thank you for this heart you've put inside of me. 
And Lord, I thank you for the hearts of the people in this room. And Lord, in the ways that you've been teaching us how to stand into who we are. God, I thank you for this Ephesians series, for the way you have solidified and, and been working on solidifying our identity in you. Lord, I pray over every single person today that they would stand firm and stand their ground. And Lord, I ask for an easeability when they're in warfare situations, for an easeability to hear from you, to hear what you're saying, to know how to discern. We just release a heightened level of discernment in this room this morning in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for who you are. And God, I pray a blessing over every single person today. I pray that as they go through this week, that they would find you in the most surprising ways. I pray, Lord, as they ask you, Lord, what have you done in me through this series, through the last four months, that you would answer them quickly and they would hear that. And that would be a, a cause of celebration in their heart. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing here. And we just look forward with so much expectation to this next season you're bringing us into. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you need prayer for anything, you can come on up. I'd love to pray for you. Um, we'll have other people who can pray for you as well. Otherwise, you guys are blessed to have an amazing week.